This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. How you doing today? I hope well. The phone number here, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. As always, don't forget, this is actually important, particularly for those of you who are new listeners. If you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you will get back a plethora of links to my daily email, to the podcast, to the live stream, to my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed, YouTube, Facebook, you name it. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You should follow me on Instagram. That's where I do all my cooking and the like. And maybe one day soon we'll have a threads link um, as Facebook comes along to kill Twitter, which needs to be put out of its misery. I want to talk about student loans. Full disclosure here, I know of what I speak when it comes to student loans because I had about $200,000 in student loans. Not the smartest thing that I did. However, let me explain the situation to you. When I was in college, I had to take out a small loan, but when I was in law school, and, and that, I mean, I got mostly a scholarship, almost a full ride in college, so there wasn't a lot. And then we had my wife's also had a little bit of college loan debt. Went to private school, didn't go to public school. And then I went to law school. And in law school, and I, I hear it's the same way, although it's not enforced anymore. But it was fairly enforced when I was in law school. You were not allowed your first year of law school to have a job. The main reason is because your first year of law school is a very intense experience. And they wanted you solely focused on law school. So not only did you get student loans for law school, and I got no scholarship for law school. It was a full ride I had to pay for. No one was helping me. And so I 100% funded it by loans. Not only was my law school funded by loans, but my entire life was because I had to get cost of living loans for law school as well. Because again, your first year, you weren't allowed to have a job. So I had to have uh, money for rent, money for food, money for all these things. My family wasn't helping me. And so I got all these loans and it added up to a lot. And they were not subsidized loans. They were unsubsidized loans. I am still paying off my law school loans and I have not practiced law in almost 20 years. I understand the burden. When I got out of law school, 
I had, you know, I went to law school because I was working for Saxby Chambliss, who uh, became a U.S. senator. At the time, he was a congressman running for the Senate, and he told me law school is the MBA of politics. You want to go do politics in Washington, don't get an MBA, get a law degree, and doors will open. And he's right. It was actually very good advice. And I intended to head to Washington, D.C., but I got married, and the, my wife did not want to move to the big city. So Washington was off the table, and Atlanta was off the table. So I stayed in Macon, Georgia, which fortuitously would never have gotten into talk radio had that not happened. God's always got a plan, folks. He's always got a plan. Nonetheless, so I started working at a law firm. In fact, where I broadcast from is in the same building. We were on the 14th floor. My starting salary in law, out of law school was, I want to say 42, it might have been in the 30, like 38, between 38 and 42,000. I had such a massive debt of loans that I had to defer them more than once. Could not make payment on the loans. And my income continued to go up. When I left practicing law, five years later, I was on the verge of being a partner at my law firm, and I was only making like $52,000. It was not a lot. To be a lawyer in middle Georgia wasn't a lot of money. My wife was, she was the assistant to the president of Mercy University, my alma mater, and she was making like $25,000. She started at $18,000, got up to twenty-five, dollars something like that. We were not making a lot of money combined. We were barely breaking about seventy to $75,000, and we had a child, we had a mortgage, and our student loans combined, uh, individually actually, mine, for, forget my wife's loans, but uh, individually or combined, my student loan payments were more than our mortgage payment. My wife had gotten a, um, a um, what do you call it, an inheritance, that's the word I'm looking for from her grandmother, and we were able to put a down payment on a house because of it and buy her a car. So we didn't have a car payment, and we were able to put a down payment on a house. I was a lawyer for Bank of America at the time, so we ran our mortgage through them, and I got the best possible rate I could because I was one of their lawyers. And our house payment for our house at the time was like 500 bucks, and our combined student loan payments were about $1,000. We paid my wife's off pretty quickly, and that brought our student loan payment down to about $650. We paid off the rest of my undergrad loan, and that brought the payment down to what it continues to be today, $476. It's actually a little less than that. I actually refinanced it with a lower interest rate back at the time, and I I continued to pay the $476 or whatever. I think I'd just send them $500, but it's really, it's like $420 is the required payment now. And I will be paying that for probably another 12 to 15 years. I understand the burden of student loans. What I also understand is that I took the loan. No one held a gun to my head and made me take the loan. No no one forced me to do it. I did it to advance my education. And my logic in taking that much of a loan out was that at the time I was going to go to Washington, D.C., I was going to work for Congress, and then I was going to get a job in the lobbying sector and do all of that stuff that my income would go up, 
and I would be fine. Well, I didn't do that, but the same thing happened. Over time, my income did go up, and I've been able to pay for my loans. What I don't understand are the people who decide to get a master's degree, float it all with a loan, and the value of their loans is far less than they are ever going to make in the real world. This brings me to 39-year-old Michael Kilman, a Denver father of four, who took out $88,000 in student loans, less than half of what I took out. He started in community college and culminated with a master's degree in applied anthropology from Portland State University in 2014. He racked up most of that debt during grad school, where the amount students can borrow is greater. Since then, he's earned a modest income as an adjunct professor and a freelance digital media creator, supplemented when needed by other odd jobs like being a DoorDash driver. He says, I've never really been in a position where I made enough money to pay my full monthly payments on loans. I've always had to defer it one way or another. That means his loan balance has kept growing up to $177,000 in March of 2020. And now, loan payments are coming back. And they're going to have to start paying those loans again. I want you to know my loan payment never stopped because it was an unsubsidized loan outside of the government. So I've had to pay the entire time other people have not had to pay. And because of my income, Joe Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness plan has done me jack. But I don't understand these people. My favorite story of all times about student loans and whatnot is the guy who advocated uh, for Obamacare back in 2010. He was interviewed, and he had a master's degree in puppetry arts and could not afford health care couldn't get a job that covered health care, and couldn't make his student loan payments, and so he wanted government to fund his health care. Why would anyone go into debt learning how to shove their fist up the butt of a puppet? They He took out a college loan to learn how to put his fist up the butt of a, of a puppet and make its mouth move. I mean, he could have been like a chief of staff to a president of the United States, and instead, he's actually with inanimate objects. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time sympathizing with people who make these bad life choices. I consider my student loans to be a bad life choice, although I'll tell you, I don't regret my law degree because the thinking, writing skills, and, and the knowledge that came from it have been very, very helpful in talk radio. But these people are not victims. They are not victims, and when the media tells their sob stories, the media tells them as if they're victims of a system. They're not a victim of a system. They chose to get the loan. They chose to get a college degree in some skill set that would not generate them enough income to pay back the degree. To an extent, yes, they were sold a bill of goods that a college degree will advance them, and they will not be like those icky people who are degreeless. I do think Republicans, and I said this back at the time they did it, made a mistake not making uh, changing the law so that student loans are not dischargeable. 
Uh, it, it's ridiculous. You cannot file for bankruptcy and get rid of your student loans. That is an immediate fix, and you will notice the Democrats nor Republicans have put this forward. They should. They should change the bankruptcy code to the way it was. They should also make the colleges and universities that have massive endowments cover the defaults. There are lots of things that they could do to reform the system, and maybe Republicans will will change it. But I'm sorry. I, I read these stories of people who just get an expensive degree, and then they don't even work in their field of study. They get a job that doesn't pay much, and they're like, oh, poor pitiful me. The government should do something about it. No, you should do something about it. Go get another job. According to the latest data from the Department of Education, 3.5 million Americans have direct student loan balances of 100,000 or more. Another 8.4 million owe more than 40,000, but less than 100,000. Some of those high-dollar debtors have medical, law, or other graduate degrees that will one day bring them high salaries. But another fast-growing group of high-balance debtors are those, like Kleiman, who took on big debt to earn master's degrees in lower-paying career fields, most notably needed specialties such as social work and mental health counseling. Why take out that much money? This is a problem for the colleges. It's a problem for the universities. It's a problem for Mr. Kleiman. It should not be a problem for the taxpayers of America. Their bad choices should not be bailed out by you and me. I'm deeply sympathetic. I'm living the life. But I assure you, I would not have taken out the amount of student loans I was taken out to get a degree that the future earnings would not be enough to pay off the loans. I wasn't a bright kid, but I was smart enough to figure that out. Instead of doing the poor, pitiful me, I'm enslaved to my college loan debt. I made the choice. He made the choice. You made the choice. The taxpayers of America should not be bailing us out. The Supreme Court at some point this week will determine whether or not Joe Biden had the power to forgive student loans. I hope they rule against it. I genuinely hope they rule against it. I hope they don't throw it out on standing. I hope they they throw out Joe Biden's student loan bailout, and these people have to pay back their money. 60% of Americans do not have college degrees. It is unfair to the 60% of Americans who do not have college degrees to have to fork over their taxpayer dollars to pay off the money for those who have college degrees, many of whom will actually see their income go up to be able to pay it. We should reform this whole system, and we should be as punitive as possible towards colleges and universities and towards those who decide, I'm going to take out $100,000 to get a degree in a field that will generate no more than $50,000 a year in income. That's absurd. But that's not on you, it's not on me, it's not on the government, except it is because of Joe Biden, and that's unfair to all of us. And by the way, I'm meeting my obligations, and I lived that life. I deferred, I had the compound interest, I know what it's like, but I'm not asking Uncle Sam to bail me out, and nobody else should because you, like me, signed the paperwork and made the decision to do it. Vision Computer has over 3,000 five-star Google reviews and an average phone answer time of just 15 seconds. When you call, you won't be stuck navigating endless automated menus. A live person's going to answer the phone and help you solve your problems. You know, I run a business, and it's one reason I love the idea that Vision Computer exists. Because as a business owner, you know you've got to be efficient, you got to have tech support issues resolved quickly, and you got to have your computers work. Don't let your employees suffer in silence either. 
They may be embarrassed or hesitant to ask for help, but with vision support, they can get assistance they need to work more efficiently. Reach out to them. Call 404-COMPUTE or go to visioncomputers.com. In fact, if you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask for the Eric Erickson special when you call. They're not going to have it on their website. It's just for you guys listening. Call 404-COMPUTE today. Ask for the Eric Erickson special. Be amazed at Vision Computer. Hello. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. As the voice said, you know, uh, so I, I, I am not one of those people who frequently uh, uses movie quotes. Uh, and you, so why? Because I have a terrible memory. I have friends who, well, for example, Charlie, everything is a Seinfeld episode. Every moment in life, he can refer back to a random Seinfeld episode. Uh, I, I have friends like this who talk in movies. You know what my kids, I, I it finally dawned on me. Kids these days, my kids in particular, they talk in meme. There is a famous Star Trek episode uh, called Darmok. Uh, and Darmok is um, essentially the, the, the premise of Darmok is Jean-Luc Picard is trapped on a planet and he's with a guy who speaks an idiomatic expression, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra, um, which means two friends together fighting a common enemy. Um, Shaka, when the walls fell, which is a metaphor for failure. Timba, his arms wide, a metaphor for giving and receiving. And, and the whole episode is, is these phrases and eventually, uh, Picard learns that this culture speaks in these idiomatic expressions. Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, things like that to, to explain things. And my kids are like that. My my son is, is dad. This is like the meme where this happens. He describes the video or something. Or um, he saw a video the other day of a a guy who was was inebriated and very angry at something and, and he couldn't he was too inebriated to like take his action and and my kid was like it's it's the the the, the Irishman three ways which is actually a, a meme from the internet of, of what the guy Josh what's his name Mancuso who does all the the themes he does one for Notre Dame and it's um uh the Irish are either they're they're angry or they're drunk or they're drunk and angry and and so it was the Irishman three ways was how he referred to this guy who was was uh, unable to stand up because of his inebriation was also mad. And I'm like, my kids are like, like, um, they're, they're Timba arms wide. It's, it's Shaka when the walls fell. It, it is the craziest thing to be mindful of that now. And like my friends who use movie quotes, the kids these days use meme quotes. Now you should use advantage gold. If you're interested in using, uh, precious metals as part of your portfolio, they might be able to educate you. In fact, the thing that I like about them is that they're not gimmicky. You call them, they give you straight answers. 800-450-2566 is the number to call them. 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold is TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They've got great prices. They have a fantastic staff. You can use them and learn how to use precious metals. They educate you. You can also buy precious metals from them. They have great rates. 
Uh, they can also give you the free gold IRA investment kit so you know the compliance rules with the IRS. There are compliance rules if you use precious metals in an IRA or a 401k. Advantage Gold can give them to you with their free gold IRA investment kit. Give them a call, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. Again, that's 800-450-2566. Have you ever wished you could become an even more effective conservative advocate? Like, uh, who could you rely on to give you the knowledge and information you need to make more persuasive arguments, how to knock on doors, how to show up at your local city council, or to meet your state legislator to advocate for small government. Americans for Prosperity can help you. They train you to be a better conservative activist, to grow the movement and fight for small government around the country from the local level to the federal level. And they put points on the board. Over 200 legislative victories in the past year alone advocating for smaller government and reduced regulation. Americans for Prosperity wants you on their team. You can join them at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. They've got over 30 chapters around the country in states. They're growing new ones all the time. Be a part of a movement for small government with americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go check them out today. Greetings. Welcome. I hope you're well. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I mentioned the FTC has decided to sue Amazon.com over how you can cancel your Prime membership. Essentially, the FTC argues they make it very difficult. They force you into it almost and then make it difficult for you to cancel it. Uh, and my prediction is that if the FTC were successful, and I don't actually think they would be, but what would happen is that Amazon would become like Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's where you would have to buy the membership to use Amazon. Virtually everyone already does already buy the Prime. The majority of Amazon sales are Prime members. Very There, there aren't a lot of people who buy from Amazon without being a Prime member. They would force everyone to do it. And it really wouldn't impact a lot of people. The Biden administration has discovered what it thinks is a winning issue for 2024 to separate itself from Republicans, to find themselves around the age issue and the like. And it is related to this FTC lawsuit. It is fees, hidden fees in particular. Now, I'm a little bit put off by this as well. So, for example... Uh, in a lot of cases, if you're, if you're not a regular traveler, you don't have frequent flyer miles or points or, or a sky miles or whatever, uh, medallion status on one of the airlines, you've got to pay for your bags on the plane. So you used to not have to, and suddenly the airlines are like, well, we're going to charge you if you want to, if you want to take luggage. Then it was, well, we're not, we're going to make it impossible for you to sit with your family on the plane, including your small children, unless you pay extra. Uh, some airlines have tried, uh, you got to pay for potty time. Airlines charge for headphones. They charge for all sorts of stuff. You go to a concert, uh, you get all sorts of embedded fees and hidden fees, and, and it is the junk fees. They, they nickel and dime you on everything. And the Biden administration has decided they think they can win a 2024 campaign in large part with betting on junk fees. This is uh, a little bit of from the Daily Beast. Uh, junk fees are the surprise costs consumers face when they want to check a bag on an airline or buy a concert ticket online. 
It's those annoying fees, fees that many Republicans want to protect and most Democrats want to dismantle, that Biden and the White House think can be a surprise winner. Yes, abortion will motivate many Democrats to vote. Of course, many moderates remain repulsed by Trump. But junk fees, Democrats are betting Republicans won't have a good answer why they think you should face a surprise cost when, for example, you book a vacation. And more than just winning over voters because they're trying to save consumers a few bucks, Democrats think the issue can be revealing of the GOP's pro-corporate ideology. The latest junk fee movement from Biden didn't come out anywhere. After a viral breakdown of ticket sales during the launch of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, companies like Ticketmaster and their junk fees were in the limelight. Okay, let, let me let me break this down for you. The Republican response, this is kind of a stupid idea from the Biden administration. I, I get the, for the frustration, but you know what happens? You know what happens? Your airline ticket goes up for everybody. So if you go to the airport and you put a bag on a plane and you're not like a silver medallion on Delta or whatever American, well, nobody wants to fly American. It's a terrible airline, but yeah, whatever, you, you name it. You're a medallion member. You've got status, frequent flyer status. You do not get charged for your baggage. I myself am a diamond medallion on Delta. I think I can load up like a bajillion bags and do not get charged to put bags on the plane because of my status. I travel that much. But you, peon, man of the people, with your green chat bubbles, you have to pay to put a bag on the plane. 20 bucks, whatever it is, you gotta pay. And Biden wants to say no one should have to pay to put baggage on an airplane. Now, if you carry your bag on the plane, you don't have to pay. If, if it's carry-on, you don't have to pay. And what some people do is they try to carry on their suitcase and then they get through security. They get to the gate. They're like, hey, I'll check it. And you don't have to pay for that. That is, you got to acknowledge one of the absurd parts of this baggage fee thing is you take your carry-on to the airplane door and say, I'll check it. They don't charge you because you freed up overhead space. But here's a problem. If the airlines did not charge the fee that Biden has decided is a junk fee, y'all know what's going to happen. Everybody's fee is going to go up. They're going to raise ticket prices on everybody. If they can't just charge the people with luggage. Now, I find it annoying, but it's true. I like I don't understand the processing fees on like getting something from Ticketmaster. Why the processing fee if I do it online? Well, you know what? That fee isn't going to go away. It's just going to be baked into the price. Some restaurants you go to now, they add in fees for like there's no longer a tip policy. And so this goes to the workers or they've got increased costs. So this is a temporary fee for inflation. And they itemize that on the receipt. Uh, if, if they got rid of those fees under the law, they're just going to raise the price of the meal at the restaurant. Those fees are a way of notifying you of ancillary costs that they otherwise wouldn't charge you, and also those fees that they only pass on to certain consumers. For Biden and the Democrats to think, well, the Republicans will just pivot. No, no, no. I, I think the Republican pivot is easy. The reason you're getting all of these fees is Joe Biden's economy. The reason you're getting all of these fees 
is because the, uh, Joe Biden has made it so much more expensive to live in America today. You're getting these fees because of Joe Biden. If Joe Biden tries to get rid of these fees, the fees don't go away. The prices just go up for everything. What the Democrats are doing is it's a backdoor way to raise a price, and in raising the price, increase the sales tax. Because you don't pay sales tax on the fee. So you add the fee to the cost, you're going to pay sales tax now. So it increases your taxes, it increases your costs, it doesn't actually improve your life. This is foreseeable and obvious, but the Democrats are so dogmatic about it, they just can't process it. And thus, they live in this world where they think this is a winning issue. It'll be so easy to turn on their heads, but they don't see that that's possible. I'm increasingly um, mindful of the fact that the Democrats are in such an echo chamber these days. Now, that's not to say Republicans are not also in echo chambers of their own, but I think that the Democrats really are in this big echo chamber right now where they don't actually see the world as it actually is. Richard Haas was on Morning Joe the other day. I, I didn't even want to clip the audio because you would be profoundly more stupid having listened to the audio than if you just listened to me tell you about it. What does that say about me? I don't know. Nonetheless, Richard Haas believes that Donald Trump's rhetoric and language related to January 6th could provoke assassinations, that the Republicans have dialed up the rhetoric so much it could lead to a shooting war. People could die because of what Donald Trump said. You mean like Steve Scalise? Richard Haas? I noticed no one on Morning Joe pointed out to Richard Haas that Democratic rhetoric provoked James Lee Hodgkins, or what's his name? Um, Am I getting him wrong? Uh, Who are they? Um, Yeah, was it Hodgkinson? Yes. Attempted the mass assassination of members of Congress. James Lee Hodgkinson was a Bernie Sanders supporter who liked the Southern Poverty Law Center and Rachel Maddow. And when Bernie Sanders and all the Democrats were talking about Republicans were going to kill people with tax cuts and rollback of Obamacare, he drove down to Virginia to a baseball field where he began to try to gun down the Republican members of Congress. He attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress due to Democrat rhetoric. And Richard Haas on Morning Joe has the audacity to say, oh, Donald Trump's dialing up the rhetoric. We can get mass assassinations out of this. You got mass assassination attempts because of Democratic rhetoric already, and you idiots don't even want to talk about it. You want to pretend it didn't happen. You changed that conversation as fast as you possibly could. The moment it turned out James Lee Hodgkin was a Bernie Sanders supporter, you pretended it didn't happen, you memory-hold it, and Richard Haas, you don't even act like that happened. We had an attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh last year because of the Democratic rhetoric over Roe v. Wade. And you did not even pay attention to it, Richard Haas. You did not even acknowledge it. And the people on Morning Joe didn't acknowledge it either. And then there was Floyd Lee Corkins. Floyd Corkins, also a fan of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Hmm. Went on their website. Found out they listed the Family Research Council as an anti-gay hate group and decided to go murder them all. He bought a bunch of Chick-fil-A sandwiches because he thought it would be funny to put bullets in their heads and stuff their mouths with chicken sandwiches. 
Thankfully, he was stopped by the security guard at the door. And Richard Haas seems to have no recollection of that. Left-wing rhetoric has inspired multiple assassination attempts on Republicans. Steve Scalise very nearly died. Multiple Republicans were shot. Scalise, the most badly injured. For Democrats to go on television and say things like this and be completely ignorant of their own side's rhetoric, it's par for the course. It tells you what sort of bubble they're in, but also it tells you that the media and the Democrats together will never accept blame for their own rhetoric. The only people who can be blamed are Republicans. The only people who can provoke violence are Republicans. In fact, there are Democrats and progressives to this day that say, well, the Republicans in Congress deserve the mass assassination attempt because they were trying to roll back Obamacare. So it was okay if you tried to shoot them down. It's insanity. It's ignorance. And it's ignorance that gets a mainstream platform. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm friends with a number of the people of Morning Joe. And I, I'm, I'm just kind of disappointed that no one wanted to point out we last year had an attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. We have had an actual attempted assassination of multiple Republican members of Congress, several of whom got shot in the process. We had a, a mass assassination attempt on the Family Research Council. These things really happened. These things were real. And it happened not because of right-wing rhetoric. It happened not because of Donald Trump. It happened because of left-wing rhetoric and left-wing politicians and left-wing voices on television. And the media refuses. And I got to say, it's really galling to think that on MSNBC, you could have a conversation about Trump's rhetoric provoking mass assassination when it was James Lee Hodgkinson or James Hodgkinson, who was a fan of Rachel Maddow from MSNBC, who felt called to go attempt the mass murder of Republican members of Congress based on what he was hearing in part on that network. The hypocrisy is astonishing. These people will not learn the lesson. They don't want to learn the lesson because they never feel culpable for the violence of others. And yet they're the ones, their side are the ones who've engaged in these mass assassination attempts. It is going to get worse, in large part because that side views itself as blameless when these things happen. So they give license to more people to do violence and be held blameless by the left. We're headed to dark times. While we're there, we might as well clear the air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because it works to get rid of the mold and the pollen and the dust that's floating in the air, but also to eliminate the bad odors, the sulfurous odors of people like Nancy Pelosi and the left. You can fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it wipes out those odors. Uh, wipes out cooking odors. It wipes out uh, the sulfurous odors of the damned. It wipes out smoking odors. It wipes out litter, odor, litter box odors, pet odors, you name it. EdenPureDeals.com. You go there, you'll see a discount code box. You put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. Their value, you're saving $200, and you get free shipping. So you're saving $200, you get three of them for less than $200, and you get free shipping at EdenPureDeals.com. You put in Eric, you get one for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, wherever you need them. You hold them in your hand. I keep one in my travel bag. They're small enough to keep it in my travel bag, and they wipe out bad odors. 
So if somebody's been smoking in the rental car before you, you can plug it up with a USB cord to the car. If someone's been smoking in the hotel room, you can fire it up by plugging it directly into the wall, and it works. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, well, it's too late. You've had opportunities to call. You chose not to call, and that's fine. I, I want a word here at the end on a particular matter we're all kind of thinking about. Um, there are a lot of people out there who have concluded that the 2024 primary season is already over, that uh, DeSantis has declined instead of going up. Trump has stayed dominant, and so it's over. Trump's going to be the nominee, and that may be the case. But we're also more than six months away, and money, there is hundreds of millions of dollars still on the sidelines that have not been spent. I do fundamentally believe that Donald Trump has the most loyal support within the Republican Party. I also fundamentally believe that polling understates the support of other candidates in large part because in 2016, it was Trump supporters who hesitated to say anything because they would get bullied. And now it's other candidates' supporters say few things because they get so bullied by aggressive Trump supporters. So that's not to say that the, the polls are lies. I just think they, they are undercounting the support of, of others and overcounting Trump support. Uh, and there's still the dynamics of two pending indictments that could shake things up. But, but maybe so. If Donald Trump is the nominee, uh, every poll out there except for one or two suggests he would lose to Joe Biden. Now, that being said, the same thing was the case in 2016. You bring in a sluggish economy and Joe Biden's foibles and, and a boosted presence for Kamala Harris, things could turn around. However, a question remains for the Trump team. How do we get people back who we lost in 2020? I, I'm not going to accept the premise that the election in 2020 was stolen, in large part because if 2020 was stolen with Republicans leading so many of those states that Democrats now lead, if Trump's the nominee, obviously 2024 is going to be stolen. So why bother? So let's go with it's not stolen uh, and we need to be deliberate. How do you get those voters back? You might be able to get them back with culture war. You might be able to get them back with economy. You might be able to get them back with uh, happy warrior talk. How does Trump get them back? I don't know. People seem exhausted by it. But for the primary, for right now, the reality is we're still more than six months from the first votes in Iowa being taken. To write off the primary season now, when we've only just now gotten the final contingent of candidates in, we haven't had the first debate. Uh, the major money has not been spent. I think it's too soon to write this off. There are fundamental dynamics that have not been tested yet that need to be tested. And also, there are probably more indictments coming. There was not the massive circle the wagons around the leader uh, scenario that I expected with the federal indictment. In fact, uh, President Trump's support has drifted in the polling average down after that indictment. You add in the Georgia indictment, you add in another federal indictment over January 6th, I still think there's a rally around the flag type, but I also think voters start to think, man, they're just out to stop him and they're probably going to be successful. Let's find somebody to fight, somebody else to fight. These dynamics haven't played out yet. They might not play out. Trump may be the nominee. I don't know. You don't know. But the idea of just washing our hands up and saying, well, 2024, it's over. We, we, we know how it's going to turn out. We know who the nominees are going to be. I don't know that we do. I still don't know that Joe Biden's going to be the Democratic nominee. 
Kamala Harris might still put marbles on the steps of the White House. It's too soon to tell. But there are a lot of pundits who seem to have a vested interest in getting to the general election uh, by writing off the primaries, and I'm just not going to do that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.